Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And it is early Friday morning. Round one of the NFL draft is wrapped up and we are going to do a quick podcast here uh, to look back at it. And of course the big news, Baker Mayfield goes number one. Uh, We'll get into Denzel Ward a little bit at number four, but let's be honest... The big topic is, of course, the Browns picking Mayfield. Um, you know, Mary Kay, it felt like it was going to be Sam Darnold or Josh Allen for so long, and then over the last week or so, it started to shift. You know, yesterday you wrote that it was between Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen, and here we are. It's, it's Baker Mayfield. Yeah, you know what? I would, I would have to say uh, that even though we knew he was still in the mix, we've known that for several weeks, the fact that they actually went ahead and picked him number one overall, I would have to count that as quite a surprise throughout the entire National Football League. Mm-hmm. I talked to a lot of people yesterday. I talked to a lot of people today. And everybody was really, really shocked about this. <laughs> no one really believed that they were going to take him number one overall. And even when we were writing it all day long, nobody still be- – I mean, a lot of people still didn't believe it. Yeah. Everybody was still putting, you know, Sam Darnold in their mock drafts and, uh, you know, thinking that this was just a smokescreen. Uh, but it was not that. They fell in love with him. We know that John Dorsey liked him when he was scouting him during the fall when he was out of work. We know that Scott McLuhan loved him. And you know what? They, there I am. Uh, <laughs> they, they, got the, they got the coaches on board, and when they went and worked him out privately, they all really liked what they saw, and here we are. The Baker Mayfield era is about to begin. Yeah, whenever it actually starts. We don't know. We can get into that a little bit here in a few minutes. But, I mean, you and I both talked uh, before the draft, like, neither of us could really shake this, like, that Baker Mayfield would be in the running. And it just always felt like, regardless of whether who we thought they would take, like, Baker was just kind of hanging back there. And none of the other quarterbacks, at least for me, were really, like, Josh Rosen, I kind of wrote him off pretty early. Um, But, Baker Mayfield was just always kind of there in the background. Some of it was Scott McLuhan. Some of it was, you know, John Dorsey kind of listing the traits he liked. Baker Mayfield just kind of kept coming up. Yeah, and um, I think you could not rule him out because we knew how, again, how Scott McLuhan and John Dorsey felt about him. I mean, you don't hire a guy to be your draft consultant who has already gone on record (laughs) as saying his guy is Baker Mayfield. Yeah unless you're willing to kind of go down that road. But the thing about Baker Mayfield that still scares me, Dan, is the height. And, you know, it's not just because, uh, you know, I don't think guys can overcome it because we don't, haven't mm-hmm. seen other guys in the league. But the two guys in the league that have been successful that are about the height that he is, I mean, very successful, uh, they have very, very special other traits. 
Russell Wilson is an elite athlete. He's a 4.5 in the 40 kind of guy, whereas Baker Mayfield is a 4.84 guy. They both have bigger hands. They're both 10 and a quarter hands, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, Mm -hmm. although Baker Mayfield's hands grew here. (laughs) They did, between the combine and here. Yes, they grew significantly, Um, but uh, they're 9 and 6 eighths now, whereas they were 9 and... What is it? Two eight. They were nine so and two eight. Yeah, it's somewhere around there. Uh, so, anyways, those guys have exceptional things about them. Okay, there's not a lot of six foot quarterbacks. In fact, I, I said this on our video. There are only now two quarterbacks drafted in the first round under six foot one in the last fifteen years, and the Browns drafted both of them. <laughs> it's Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield. And why don't more people do this? Why don't more people do this, Dan? I don't know. <laughs> the Browns did. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the thing about it is I, I wish there was – I guess I wish there was somebody else to point to other than Drew Brees. Because, you know, maybe Baker comes in and is Drew Brees, but Drew Brees is a generational quarterback. He right. is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like yeah. first ballot, five years after he retires, he's going into the Hall of Fame. Um, and I just hate making comparisons like that. I hate saying, well, this guy could be Peyton Manning. Right. Or this guy could be Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, that, you know, you want that caliber of player when you pick a guy number one, but you also have to be realistic about it. So I wish there were a few more guys that you could look at and say, that guy was six foot and had a really nice career. Maybe he wasn't a Hall of Famer, but he had a nice career. He won some games. Yeah, I don't know, Doug Flutie? I mean, I mean, you really do have to dig around to find these guys. I don't think it's impossible to overcome either. Right. He showed at Oklahoma that he could right. play in the pocket. He could play that style of football. The NFL yep. is going to be a little different, though. Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. Now, but when you take a player at number one overall, and we've heard from uh, Scott McLuhan and others that uh, that he reminds them of Brett Favre, okay? Yeah. So if he ends up to be Brett Favre, well, then this was a tremendous pick at number <laughs> one overall. And who knows? Maybe he will be. He has shown signs of, of being special in college. And the signs, the things that he has done very well is, I've talked to a number of former quarterbacks about this. I talked to Trent Dilfer about this. I talked to Chris Sims about this. They say he's an excellent locator. I mean, he's amazing when it comes to putting the ball on the money. Mm-hmm. And then they've also said he's got tremendous eyes. And that's important. If you're going to be six feet tall, you have to have that football vision. That's vitally, vitally important. So you kind of have to see through people instead of seeing over people. You have to be able to anticipate what's going on. Now, is that a function, though, of the system that he was in? That's one thing that Trent Dilfer was saying. He was in. He's a system quarterback. If you put him in that kind of system, that sort of West Coast traditional west coast system but then now add in the rpos and the other things that we're seeing the college stuff that's trickling up into the nfl if you let him get the ball out of his hand very quickly into the hands of you know some really good athletes then you know maybe he can be really successful at this level his processing speed is said to be very very good we know he's got some mobility although will it be as good up here at 4.84 as you know, as it was in college. I don't know. There are some things that you have to wonder about, but wow, these guys love this guy. Yeah, I mean, they love him. They love him enough to take him number one, their first draft pick of this regime. Um, That says something. And, and, you know, you listed off some of the tools that could make him successful. It's going to be a a wait-and-see thing, but the thing is, how long do we wait and see? Because he's 23 years old. 
Uh, he's got a lot of experience. Tyrod Taylor is here, obviously. Um, he's supposed to be the starting quarterback, but I mean, you don't have to go back very far to find examples of plans changing. It, two guys tied to the Browns, Carson Wentz. Right. He wasn't supposed to start right away. What, five days before the season, they trade Sam Bradford. Deshaun Watson was not supposed to start. Right. But then Tom Savage gets out there. They aren't happy with what Savage did, and it took about two weeks for Deshaun Watson to get out there. So it's easy to say now that Tyrod Taylor's the starter, but right. things change quickly when you've got a number one pick, especially a guy with that kind of experience. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to exercise patience. In fact, I mean, they're going to have to tie Baker <laughs> Mayfield to like a pole, pole yeah. and just not let him go. I mean, it's going to be really, really hard. You've got a fan base that's going to be excited about him. You've got a, a team that's going to be excited about him. He's the number one overall pick. There will be, you know, external pressure, maybe immediate pressure and those sorts of things. Uh, and if they really want him to learn and to develop, then, you know, they're going to have to exercise patience. The one thing about – another good thing about him is that he has played a lot of football. And mm-hmm. I think this is the thing – that this was the great separator. One of the reasons I think that Sam Darnold fell off the map is that he's just not experienced enough. I mean, he's very, very raw. He had one full year in high school, one full year in college, and a lot of another year. But for the most part, you know, when I, I talked to teams that were putting him up on the whiteboard, and he just didn't know football enough. He did not know enough football. Yeah. Whereas I think Baker... Uh, was processing well and showing that he had a great understanding of concepts. And the other thing about Baker, too, the, the, one of the reasons they picked him is his personality, right? His attitude, uh, the way guys followed him at Oklahoma. I mean, there's a lot of good stories out there about, you know, how he, the, his leadership when he was with the Sooners. Those aren't traits that really suit a guy who has to sit and wait and doesn't get a bunch of reps in practice and – his personality isn't going to really allow him, I think, to want to sit behind Tyrod Taylor. He's going to want to get out there and compete. And it, it's going to be, like you said, they're going to have to chain him to something. He's going to be like a, you know, he'll be like the dog pound mascot chained to a <laughs> fence post or something over by the fans. I know. And, you know, we asked him about that on the conference call tonight, and he said he is absolutely 100% respecting their decision to start Tyrod Taylor, but he's coming in with the mindset to compete. And he should. He should come in with the mindset to compete. And, um, you know, but Hugh Jackson has made it perfectly clear to him, we are starting Tyrod Taylor. So we'll see how long that lasts. I mean, (laughs) Tyrod, that's in Tyrod's control. He can keep, he can, I keep wanting to say Johnny. I really do keep wanting to Uh say Johnny. People are going to get mad at you for that. I know. I'm so sorry about that. I've got to try to shake this. Um, but Tyrod Taylor, you know, he has it within his power to keep Baker Mayfield on the bench. Yeah, so, okay, so it's going to be interesting. Um, we didn't talk about Denzel Ward very much. Let's touch on him real quickly. Um, the Browns did not take Bradley Chubb, obviously. That was who a lot of people had mocked to them. Um, we had talked about adding a pass rusher, probably the most important position after quarterback, but not far behind that would be shutdown corner. Yep. So they decided to go with a shutdown corner or yeah. who they think that could be a shutdown corner. Yeah, and some people value that number one cornerback, that shutdown corner, as much as they do that premier pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Now, last year, uh, of course, they went out and they got Miles Garrett. And so I'm sure they, they felt as though they've got Miles Garrett, they've got Emmanuel Ogba. What they really need is that cornerback. And we also had heard that they were trying to shop Jamar Taylor. So I guess we should have had uh, – 
maybe a little bit more of an inkling that they were going this route. But I just didn't think that they would go Denzel Ward that high. We didn't even yeah. talk to uh, Doug Maurice, who covered him at Ohio State. And uh, at a show that we did the other night, he did not think that he was a number four overall pick. So I thought maybe if they tried to trade down, that they would end up drafting him later perhaps. But I didn't think they would take him at number four. So I think he's got a lot to prove too. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and, you know, John Dorsey took Marcus Peters uh, in the first round when he was in Kansas City. That was, I think, the 18th pick. I looked it up earlier, and I think it was like 18. So obviously not as high. But, uh, you know, anytime you take a guy in the first round, tells you something about how you value a position and obviously that was something that John Dorsey took very seriously in Kansas City and he's taking very seriously here. Yeah and of course Denzel Ward's so excited it was it was fun to hear his conference call because uh, you can just see the emotion Mm -hmm. basically practically coming through the phone he's from Macedonia he went to Nordonia High School he's a local kid so excited to come in here he's very very fast these guys like speed John Dorsey has talked about wanting to get some speed on the football team so you know now that they've got um, you know they've got their number one cornerback this is the kind of guy that you would expect to be able to come in and be your next Joe Hayden again and when you draft a guy number four overall he's got to be in the Pro Bowl I mean that's that's Pro Bowl territory and not not right away but within three years he needs to be starting to be in some Pro Bowls or you have to wonder about that pick. Yeah. Well, he's got to be a shutdown corner. He does. <laughs> That's what he's got to be. He does. Yeah, and uh, I, I got a chance to see him play at Nordonia a couple times, and it was it's always fun to kind of see those guys. You know, they just look different. They're faster than everybody, and it's fun yep. to kind of see them turn that into what Denzel Ward got to do here today. So. And and think about that, Dan. He's, he's 5'11", and, you know, that's fine. There's a lot of good cornerbacks that are 5'11", but, you know, he'll be going up against the A.J. Greens, all mm-hmm. those, you know, all the best quarter. Uh, all the best receivers in the NFL. He's going to draw that assignment. He's going to have to cover Antonio Brown. Uh, so he's going to have a lot on his plate. But, um, you know, he's, he's got a lot of great skills, and and here he is. They, they have their guy. And the good news is, you know, whatever you think of this draft here tonight and these first two picks is one thing that John Dorsey deserves a ton of credit for is Denzel Ward isn't going to have to come in and necessarily face Antonio Brown in week one. Right. Because you have – T.J. Carey yep. and E.J. Gaines, and you have guys that if Ward isn't quite ready in week one, right. you don't have to throw them out there. They've actually built a little bit of a roster to, to make these guys kind of earn their way up, just like with Baker Mayfield. All right, that'll do it for our quick uh, f- uh, Friday morning, early Friday morning podcast here. We'll try and get back with you guys uh, after the second and third rounds on Friday. The Browns uh, most importantly, have number 33, number 35, and number 64. And, of course, they gave up number 65, that first pick in the third round, for Tyrod Taylor. So we'll see what they end up doing, uh, if they end up getting back into the third round or something like that. Uh, until then, for Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Dan Lobby, and thanks for listening, everybody.